Welcome to the Seed Time Money Podcast. I'm your host, Bob Lodick, and I am really glad you're joining me today. And we are talking about 10 of the most common budgeting questions that we get. And so a lot of these are from our students in our Real Money course. Some are from Instagram messages we get. Some are from emails, comments on YouTube, whatever. Just we kind of rounded up some of the most common ones that we've been getting, and we're answering those today. So the way you get your spouse on board with budgeting as a whole is you let them fix your budget. <laughs> Be involved. Yeah. yeah, basically go to them with a plan and say, okay, what is wrong with this and how do we fix it? That was really helpful for getting on board with budgeting as a whole. So once I created the budget and said, here, now I need your input. Mm-hmm. What are the categories that you don't like? What are the categories that we should add that yeah. you would make you happy. Right. One was we created a category called cute face. Okay. He created that. I would never have named it that. We were like 24 years old or yeah. something, newlyweds. And um, it so was we like for, you know, face wash and makeup and stuff like that. Stuff that I wasn't budgeting for. Never in his life has he budgeted for this. <laughs> and so this is part of the learning experience and part of the money nerd like me letting go longer leash whatever you want to call it but just letting go of things and letting her change it and add what she wanted right well and also realizing that he actually didn't know everything he didn't have all the information to make the final decisions because like he had never even thought about spending money to buy makeup he's like when do you have to buy that like every 10 years i'm like no (laughs) you know like he just had no clue i mean that's really helpful is like going to the person being like uh this is probably not done. What do we need to change? What do we need to add? What do we need to get rid of? Whatever. But I think one of the really important things here too, Laura, and I want to hear you chime in on this as well. But I think one of the really important things here is to, when presenting the idea of budgeting, something that a lot of people have a natural aversion to, is presenting it with, where do you want to go? What goals do you have? Like, And this is the vehicle that is going to get us there. Right. You know, Mm -hmm. so if you have a dream of buying a boat, someday or if or you want to go house. yeah like if you want to go on a vacation yeah like this is the thing that's going to get us there mm-hmm. and get us there debt-free and get us there with peace and or yeah. i mean your goal could even just be i want to be able to pay the bills every month and not be stressed yeah, out mm-hmm. about it. like as simple as that. that's huge yeah i mean i agree with what linda said in terms of you guys having a conversation about the categories and making sure things that are important to the non-budgeter are considered. My situation is a little different where I'm the spender, but I'm also the budgeter. So my husband doesn't spend much at all, but when he does, it can be a larger purchase. And so a larger purchase that doesn't necessarily fit into a category, like fixing the deck steps. Okay. Like this is something that we don't have a category for and maybe we should, but we don't have a category for home maintenance. And so then it's a discussion of, yeah. okay, where does this need to come from? Because this right. is such a random thing that we're only going to need one time. So yeah, I mean, because my husband's not a spender, he's never felt the need to have a budget because he he's just been fine just paying the bills and then he just doesn't spend very much. He so He's um, so content. He yes. just doesn't need yes. a lot of stuff. Yes, exactly. Which is a great quality and yeah. it balances my spender habits out. But he realizes the value in having a budget when you have a spender who needs to have guardrails, who yeah. needs to have parameters so that I don't rack up the credit card bill. So yeah, that's a yeah. good point. 
That's helpful too. Like thinking about it. Well, my spouse is not the spender. I am and telling them like, this is how we're going to make sure that I don't spend all of our money on stuff that you are not okay with, you know? Yeah. Well, and that was honestly, that's how I quote unquote got him on board. And again, it was never that he was opposed to it. He just never like saw the need for it because he didn't need need guardrails because, and he still doesn't, but having him presenting it that way, like, Hey, we have a goal of getting a car loan paid off and I can't control myself all the time. Like I like to spend money. So this puts parameters around it. By the way, Lauren, how's your, um, do you have your little car pay thing? Yeah. We need to see it. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Making good progress. So So fun. Hopeful to push that down more. Yeah. But let me ask you that, Bob, if I can turn the tables on you, like, that is a real life situation that we just had. We have a deck and our stairs are literally disintegrating. So Jeff went to the hardware store and had to buy wood. I don't know. It costs like $80 or something for wood and nails and all this stuff. And he's going to do it himself. And so my mind immediately goes to, well, what category do I take that out of? I don't know what category to take that out of. Like, do you have situations where you guys have completely random one-off things how do you handle those? We do have, I mean. This is what I call magic money. We have a category <laughs> specifically for home improvement. So we yeah. do have categories for okay. that. And it's because we do a lot of this stuff. Yeah. We have a miscellaneous savings slash vacation, vacation okay. category. What I like about that category, it's kind of like a catch-all. It's not our emergency fund, but it's kind of like a catch-all of mm. one-off stuff, but it pulls against our vacation money. Yeah. So there's a little yeah. bit of tension there that just makes us not spend all that money. So yeah, it's just a good amount of tension so okay. that we want to build it up so that we can go on vacation. But if we spend it all on whatever, then we yeah. can't go on vacation. On so like it, yeah. it works yeah. well. Just a little bit of tension there. Uh, yeah, that's good. So real quick, for anybody on, a couple questions are coming in. Pam, I see you've asked a few questions. We're going to get to those. We're going to go through the <laughs> questions that we have, uh, and then we'll get to your questions and anybody else as well. And for anybody watching on Instagram, Lauren was trying to get on Instagram, but I think yeah, was a sorry. issue maybe, but you, you can hear her, her hopefully. Yeah. I, I'll turn it up so you guys can hear. All right. Yep. Uh, number three. I'm concerned about linking my accounts to personal capitals. Why do I have to? Do they have mm-hmm. access to my account? For anybody who's not in the course, what she's referring to is one of our early lessons. We help you determine exactly where you have spent your money for the last three months. And so if you're a new budgeter, a lot of times new budgeters don't know where to start their budget. Like how Mm -hmm. much does it categorize for groceries or for household goods Mm -hmm. or whatever the thing is. And we try to find a way to help people find out exactly what they have spent for the last three months so that we have a good kind of baseline to go forward. So we have a good starting point. It makes it a whole lot easier to start your budget if you know yeah. roughly where you are already. And then you can begin kind of moving forward from that. Bonnie so, saying she had the same concerns. Great. So yeah. This is why we recommend this tool called Personal Capital because it allows you to go in and then instantly you can look back three months. So you don't need to wait three months to get that information. You can put your information in and then look backwards and get that information. <laughs> Uh, and you can do all this manually. Like, so you don't have to use this tool. We just really like it. It's, it's super bank level security. Like I've used it for years. Great tracking, like everything. Just great, great tool. You can do all this stuff manually. You don't have to use it. It just makes it a little bit quicker. So manually, you can go through and get all your bank statements and just kind of total them all up. Like write it on paper or on a spreadsheet or something like that. Write out each transaction and how much you spent. And then you want to kind of categorize that a little bit and like, all right, mm-hmm. how much did I spend on groceries in March? 
and you know, and ideally go back two months, three months, so you can kind of get an average. And so it's just going to take a bit more time if you do it manually, mm -hmm. but you're absolutely welcome to do that. If you're concerned about personal capital or any other online kind of tool like this, having access to your accounts, they don't have access to your accounts, but they can read the balances and your transactions and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, I just think it's important to note that because we, we've definitely heard this concern from students, but one thing that I tell people repeatedly is, Bob, you've been using this for several years. I have, we have hundreds of students who are in the course and mm -hmm. we're assuming a good majority of them are using it. We have not heard one issue with personal capital. We haven't had yeah. anyone have just nothing negative has happened because of it. And to Bob's point, the really important thing to remember is that they don't have access to your accounts. It's simply looking at the data and, you know, yeah. yeah, it's just reading it. Yeah. And the other thing is it's a really large company. This isn't a fly-by-night company. They've been around a long time. They have billions of dollars um, of assets under management because they have basically it's a free tool. It's kind of like Quicken used to be, but I think better. And it's a free tool. But the way that they make money is by offering this free tool. And then for people who are interested, they have like financial advisory services that they offer. So it's a lead generation tool for them. So they have this free service that honestly should be a paid service that they mm -hmm. offer. But of all those people, like they're just there. And if so, if you want to hire them to manage your money, like you can do it and pay 1% fee. And so that's how they make all their money. And that's why they can mm -hmm. offer such a great tool for free. Um, yeah. I would just like to add to follow up to that really quick. After yeah. you get this information of how much things are costing. Mm -hmm. This is not the time to be like, well, I'm going to slash that in half right now because then mm -hmm. you're going to stick to your budget. Yeah, so, you start your budget with where you've been. Yeah. And then you will, as Lauren has experienced, you will probably just start saving just because you're paying mm -hmm. attention and you're aware of what's going on. So yeah. absolutely, don't set it for what your goal is right away or it mm -hmm. will not work. Okay, can I use this method with my credit union instead of Capital One? So yeah, so Capital One is our number one recommended bank. We don't have any like personal connection to them. I don't have an uncle who runs it. I, I don't really <laughs> care. It's just that we've found them to be the best. They have a handful of features that work really well with this method. So in theory, you can do this with any bank that would allow you to alt open multiple, multiple. bank accounts that mm -hmm. all connect to one checking account. So uh, multiple savings accounts. Or multiple savings mm -hmm. accounts connect right. to one checking account. So. Yeah, it's possible your credit union could do this, but just because they can do it doesn't make it easy. Like most of, because the basic idea of the course is really simple, but what we like about Capital One and what we teach in the course are all the ways to like make this super simple. Yeah. And that's what I like. And it like works from your phone. Because it's, it, <laughs> it's easy. The key is to make a budget work is to eliminate all those points of friction in just every single one. And that's what we have worked so hard on in this course yeah. to add... All these little things that just eliminate that friction to make it so seamless and smooth and can, take as little time as possible. You can use it from your phone. Like the app is super mm -hmm. easy to use. You can use it when you're in line at the grocery store and go, mm -hmm. oh, shoot, I don't have enough money in, in there. So I'm going to just move this over real quick and it moves automatically. It's five I mean, seconds, it's like, yeah. if I can use it, seriously, <laughs> you know that's it's a, easy. That's a true statement, y'all. That's a true statement. <laughs> so... Anyway, me out. <laughs> bottom line is that you can you can try using your credit union and, and talk to them. And there's other banks that we're we're looking, we're scouring for other banks that work. Like I don't want there to be only one recommended bank, but it's just the best one we found. So that's why yeah. we recommend. Mm -hmm. But uh, there are other banks that we know work at this point, and we're looking for more. But yes, 
if you want to stick with your credit union, like try it and talk to them and yeah. see if you can pull that off and kind of go from mm-hmm. there. All right. Do you? But s- also, you add Capital One, right? You keep your current bank. Yeah. So just so we're clear, like the method yep. does not require you to leave, your, leave bank, your bank, to close your accounts, or anything like that. It's just adding an additional one to what you already do. So you don't have to leave your bank or mm-hmm. anything like that. Or your credit union. Do you suggest having some money, let's say $100, in a savings account with Capital One 360 tied to the checking account for overdraft protection? So here's another, this is another one of those features about Capital One that we really like, is that they have four different options for overdraft protection. And so I used to work at a bank, and I had a boss who would just get, like, giddy when people would overdraft. Because he's just making money effortlessly. He's charging $30, $40 for every overdraft. And so now you know what happens at banks when you're not. And, it was, and honestly, like some of the people coming in there, like this is a sad truth, is that most of the people who are overdrafting all the time, like absolutely cannot afford it. Mm-hmm. And so they are the ones who are getting hit by this and hurt over and over and over again. And I mean, there was one customer who had thousands of dollars of overdraft fees in a given year, like just insane. This is another thing, another reason we've loved Capital One so much, because for years they haven't had anything like that. And they have four different options for how to handle when you go over your balance. And three of them are nothing like that. So one of them, it just doesn't pay. Another one, you can do what you're talking about, where it'll pull from another account. Another one, it will charge you an interest rate, which this is brilliant. So say you overdraw your account by $25, but then the next day you notice it and you transfer $25 back. The bank I used to work at would charge you $40 for that, even if it's been overdrafted for 12 hours or something like that. Capital One, if you're doing that um, interest rate thing, you would get charged like 15 or 30 cents because you've only had it overdrawn for yeah. 12 hours. And it's, I don't know what the interest rate is, but the yeah. point is it's such a short amount of time they charge you per time over. And it's mm-hmm. like nothing Which as long as huge. you don't leave it there for months, you know? So it's so much more fair and reasonable. But there's a couple different options, and I do, we do talk about this in the course. I don't mm-hmm. remember. Do you remember which lesson it is, Lauren, offhand? I don't, but I can find out in like two minutes. Yeah. So there's a couple different ways to handle it, but you could do that if you'd prefer to do that. But you could also set it up so that it just won't, won't pay. So that's one way to do it. Yeah, it's really up to you. I think we do have a recommendation in the course. I don't remember which of the four I kind of recommended, but... Anyway, okay, it's, it's for the RMB students. It's in lesson five. Why Capital One 360? Okay, there you there. go. Okay, Dave Ramey. Uh, Dave Ramey. Ramsey. <laughs> oh, wait, we forgot to get, do number six, but um, let's do Dave Ramey first. <laughs> right, we'll do, do Dave Ramey real quick. So Dave Ramey suggests the following. Create an emergency fund, the next debt snowball, and then increase emergency fund and invest. Do you agree with that? So yeah, this is a, um, I guess it can be a short answer. I won't go too long in this. But generally speaking, yes, I have no problem with that advice. I think I think that's good general advice. I like the idea of having the emergency fund, the $1,000 emergency fund to help you avoid using your credit card. That makes a lot of sense to me. My only kind of beef with this a little bit is from an investing perspective. So I got started investing when I was really young, probably 20 or 21. And not a lot of money, just a little bit of money you know, investing is one of the best ways to kind of grow and build your wealth, to get your money working for you. You know, as Kevin, uh, what's his name? O'Leary from Shark Tank yeah. always says, he wants, I want my money out there like little soldiers making me more money. <laughs> and that's what you're doing when you're investing. And so that's something I've always been fascinated by and excited by the fact that, all right, once I get past the point, I'm not paycheck to paycheck. I have some extra money sitting here. I can put it to work and earn more money. Like that's really, really mm-hmm. cool. So I got started on that fairly early, probably in my young 20s. 
The reason I like, I'm glad I did that is because I lost a good amount of money in some of those investments, but it taught me so much. And like the best education comes from losing money in terms of investing. Like you can read all the books in the world. You can read all the articles, hear the best stock picks, whatever. But if you're not actually investing your own money, if you don't have skin in the game, you're not going to learn the lesson the same way. Well, and you were young enough that it was okay to lose money. Yeah. And it's always, I mean, it's always okay to lose money. You don't want to lose tons, but you need to consider an education. Like that's what right. this is. Mm-hmm. And so I viewed it as I'm investing $500 in this stock. I have no idea what I'm doing, but I'm learning while I'm putting my money in here. You paid more for college than for that education, right? Wait, 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 wait. That's where it needs to be okay. If you've never invested before, it's good. And I wouldn't go in blind, like just randomly picking a stock and have no idea what you're doing. So continue to learn and get some real education about it. But putting money in investments, in stocks, in mutual funds, whatever, is just a great way to learn about investing. So because of all that... I would like anybody who can to get started even with, cause you can start with such a small amount these days. It's so easy to get started with a small amount. And that just, it gets you interested, excited. It teaches you a bunch. I wouldn't wait all the way until you had a $10,000 emergency fund built to do that because you can start investing with 50 or a hundred dollars and start learning because these are, these are lessons that you're going to learn that are going to pay dividends literally and figuratively for the rest of your life. The sooner you can start learning that, the better. In general, I don't have a problem with this advice. I just, I would like to see people start investing a little bit earlier. How do you guys handle spending money as spouses? We basically have, I mean, I guess you could call it kind of like an allowance. That's what I was well, yeah, thinking. Well, yeah, two of our budgeting <laughs> categories are my Bob spending money and, and Linda. her spending money. Mm-hmm. So they're mm-hmm. completely separate. Mm-hmm. And anything's in my account, you don't care what I do and no. vice versa. And that yeah. made such a big difference for us. Yeah. That helped us avoid so many fights. Yeah, because when we didn't have that before, and this is the problem with not budgeting, to be honest, it's like the money's all in one big bucket. And so if you go spend $100 on something that I'm like, that's not important to me, then I'm angry and we're getting in a fight. And if I do the same thing, if I go spend $200 on Lowe's, it's something that you're like, why do we need that? Now Mm -hmm. we're fighting because we need to buy groceries next week. Whereas once it's budgeted and it's all separate accounts, it's like... I don't care what you spend out of your money, mm-hmm. you know, because yeah. it's yours. So, for example, like, what do we use our spending money for? I guess we use our spending money for anything that we want that's outside of the normal budget. Yeah, anything so, that's for the family as a whole, like, doesn't come out of. If I want to go out money. to lunch by myself, which I do, like, <laughs> any any clothes that we buy typically <laughs> comes out of our spending money. Yeah, clothes comes right? out of our spending money. What about gifts for each other? What about it birthday gifts? Our, it comes out of our spending money. money. Okay, us too. Yeah. In terms of it being a gift, like I want it to be a little bit of a, a sacrifice. sacrifice. Like yeah. I just mm-hmm. like it's a little bit more of a gift. I do sometimes yeah. wish that I had another way to do that because I spend my money, my spending money pretty fast. <laughs> and I spend it all every yep. month. Bob will sit there and I'll be like, how, how long have you been saving up? And then he'll go buy something really big. And of course, as soon as he buys something that's big, I'll be like, how are we going to pay for that? And he will go, <laughs> I'm taking it out of my spending money. <laughs> I like start to cop an attitude and he's like, I have a ton of money in my spending money. I've been saving it. (laughs) Yeah. That's our life, Linda. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, Lauren, anything you want to add to that? Just the importance of it from a marriage perspective, it eliminates lots of friction and it's, it's a big deal in my opinion. Yeah. I honestly think we could walk into like a marriage seminar, (laughs) not marriage (laughs) counselors, but Walk in, do like a two-minute session. All right, here's what you need to do to avoid 90% of your money fights. 
do this. Mm -hmm. Mic drop, drop, walk out, out. and walk out. And it'll be one of the most valuable sessions there. For real. Yeah. Okay. Um, Can I use mint instead of personal capital? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. So um, we were talking about personal capital before, just in terms of determining where you're actually spending your money. And personal capital and mint are similar in that they will both allow you to do that. Personal capital, I, I like more as an overall financial tool, seeing more of your picture, total picture of your finances, but they will both get the job done. So that is all the questions that we had beforehand. So now let's get Excellent. to some of the ones that kind of came in. Yeah, and there are some this. good ones. All right. How can you budget as a small business owner? Income varies because mm. business expenses vary greatly per month. Example, mechanics, breakdowns. Should I take data for a while first? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think budgeting as a business owner is a really important thing. I, I mean, this is honestly just a big argument for um, having a budget in general or maintaining one. I have yet to hear of any Fortune 500 company or any really successful business that doesn't have some sort of budget in place. It's just part of running an efficient money-making machine. machine. And businesses mm-hmm. are really efficient, you know, especially, mm-hmm. you know, really big and good ones like that. If we want to be efficient with our money and make the most of it, we can model after that. Like we can take a cue from them. And so, yeah, I absolutely think that that is an important part of it. Now, there are some caveats to this. So there are certain areas where I think there should be an unlimited budget to some extent. And this might be getting too deep, but I'll just go down this path for a second, Pam. In terms of advertising, if I have an advertising campaign that's working and I can spend a dollar and make $2 in sales... I don't want to be confined to a thousand dollar a month budget. As long as the cash is there for me to spend that, like I should be able to put as much into that as I possibly can so that we can earn more. You know what I mean? So, so having an advertising budget, at least where I am in the scale of our business doesn't make sense. That would be an area where I would not want to cap. But in terms of having a budget for whatever office supplies, a budget for you know, I'm, I'm not sure what the nature of your business is, but yes, I think there should be a budget for a lot of those things because the importance of the, the budget and the walls is that it forces people to exercise creativity. We were just having a heated discussion last night about this a little bit. Discussion. And, and this is the thing that's just really powerful about it is when there are no constraints, you know, this is... uh almost hit me in the face that time. I know. We're just so close and cozy. <laughs> but... um. <laughs> I always get Parkinson's and Pareto's law confused. One of them is the 80-20 principle, and the other one is that expenses rise to meet income. So without any constraints, everything just expands to fill an unlimited space. So that's why it's so important to have some walls. And then once you have those walls, creativity actually blossoms out of that. And so I read this book about creativity, specifically about creativity. And that's what they talked about. They said, if you want to be more creative, you need to put more constraints in. Mm. And that actually fuels creativity, which is fascinating to think about. You wouldn't think it would be that way, but it actually helps the creative process. So Mm. point is, is that whatever that department is, having some constraints actually forces and helps them to become more creative and solve those problems without just throwing as much money at it without thinking, which will naturally happen if there's no budget. Does your system work for both business and personal use? Uh, yeah. So here's the, the problem with that. Like, in theory, it does. The problem is that we haven't found a bank that we can do this with. So Capital One has some business account options, but it just it doesn't work the quite the same. 
But in theory, the system works. It's just a matter of finding the right bank setup. And, and honestly, we haven't really looked for much in terms of business. Like we haven't focused this course around business budgeting, but the theory absolutely works. So it's just a matter of whether or not your bank and the business setup or the account setup there would work for it. Sean is asking, a few years ago, we took Dave Ramsey course. We were able to do our budget for a year plus, had some successes, but in the end, it was such a monster and we let it go. How is your course different? Our course is different. Yeah. So here's the deal. We never intended to create a course. Like this was not something that we had in mind. Mm -hmm. When we first got married, we started using this system and it was working fine and it was working great. And we were constantly at a budget and it was really easy and quick and we just kind of kept doing it. Then all these cool software tools came out and these cool budgeting apps. And I'm like, honey, we need to go try that because I'm running this financial blog and I feel like I need to write reviews about these things. So I'm like, all right, we're going to go over here and try this one. And we would do it for a while. And I'm like. Yeah. And I, okay. So first off, I was never really interested in the budget. I mean, I was interested in having a budget, but I was like, when it came down to doing it, he showed me what to do and I was like, okay. So I had my little system and I worked everything out and we stuck to it tight because money then was super tight. So then we get this fancy little thing and it wasn't just like there's a learning curve because I did that. I was like, okay, show me how to do it. But we would run into these problems and it would import our transactions twice. And I'm like, well, I don't know what to do with this now. I'd be like, well, Bob, you're going to have to fix it. (laughs) So then that took me completely out of the equation. I wasn't helping him. And so we would start racking up transactions for like two months because he couldn't get to it for one reason or another. And I was like, he thought I was doing stuff. And I was like, no, dude, I told you there's a problem and I don't know how to do it. Didn't Linda say... If Bob died, that you were going to go back to the Capital One. Yeah. You were like, I'm not, I'm See, not keeping up with these softwares. We did that for, I'm not kidding you, probably 10 years. Years and years. Like, we'd go from like, one of those to another. And uh, we won't mention any names. Yeah. Like, the, the biggest <laughs> problem with all of them that I ultimately discovered is that there's no real accountability. So, every single app, spreadsheet, tool that I've said, the, the glitch is like they come and go. Like, I, I'm not going to say that all of them are all glitchy, right, all right. but at the time we dealt with some of that. But we beyond did. that, the biggest issue is that there's not real accountability. And mm-hmm. so you have this veil of accountability where you can see your transactions. It looks like these are virtual envelopes you have and whatever. But the problem is, is that you can cheat it way too easily. And so what happens is you do, you, do. you fudge it. And mm-hmm. so it's like, all right, we want over the this budget $50 this month. We'll even, just roll it into next month. And yeah, you know, even we would us, do that we time knew and time again. We were like pretty strict with our budget. And yeah. we still were doing that because it's like there's no accountability. And I would hear from our students or our readers, it weren't students at the time, just readers, that everybody's doing the same thing. And I'm like, mm-hmm. if everybody's having this problem, like, anyway, so long story short, I went through budgeting app after tool after blah, 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 blah. Like, I mean, I feel like I tried everything on earth and was having this problem with all of them. And finally, I realized, all right, that worked. We did that for years. It worked. And then we came back and then we were sharing it with people. And it's like, all right, I think it's time to turn this into a course and start mm-hmm. sharing this with a wider audience. And that's the gist of it. But simply put, it's really simple. Like we've worked really hard to craft this method to make it as simple as possible. It's simple Mm -hmm. enough an eight-year-old can do it. It's fast and it holds you accountable. Mm -hmm. And so all those things together just are what make it different than everything else. But the Dave Ramsey course is basically what I'm guessing that it was Financial Peace University. And that is basically a teaching of how you should handle your money, basically. This is a budgeting method. Yeah, that's a good distinction. This is not an overall financial course. This is specifically teaching you this method how to budget your money. 
Whereas FPU is like all over the map teaching yeah. stuff. This is specifically about budgeting, specifically right. the budgeting method. So and he is saying really simple, they really need accountability and easy. One thing I would add to that is this is it's not a software. This is not, right. yep. you know, think of all Your the bank, softwares out there. That's it. Um, it's not a software. It's just a method. It's how we use the accounts at our bank to, to budget. put accountability parameters. I know for myself, I was using one of those apps. And for me, I felt like I was budgeting, but all I was doing was tracking my spending. That's all I was doing. And it wasn't until having a very honest conversation with Bob that I was like, I'm out of control with my money. And he was like, just try this method. Just try it. <laughs> and it worked. Like, do it. it do it. It worked. <laughs> and... I'm so grateful that I tried it because it completely changed our financial life completely. That's my the biggest distinction I would just make sure people understand is that it's not a software. It's not, you're not like uploading your transaction. It's not all of that. This is a method that you're using through your bank accounts. Exactly. All right. Okay. Uh, Emma says, I enjoyed using ING Direct. So Capital One used to be ING That's Direct. That's what we used when we first got married. Yeah. It was 15 years ago. Yep. It was easy and very helpful with saving. Then Capital One took over. I stopped at that because I wasn't too fond of them. Now I'm listening to you. Yeah. <laughs> Look at you. yeah. So Emma, I was really nervous when Capital One took over. And I kept on waiting for the hammer to drop for them to take away all the good features of ING. And they really left almost everything in place. I think there were maybe one or two, because ING, I think, was just one of the best banks that like ever existed. They were just amazing with what they did. And I think they're still around in Europe or something. But Capital One, to their credit, has not taken away a lot of the great features of ING, which I'm surprised because there's a lot more money to be made in charging $40 overdraft fees than what they're mm -hmm. doing. And that was mm -hmm. one of the unique things that ING rolled out. So they're worth looking into. Okay. All right. How much do you budget for investments? We don't have a set percentage. The way our business works, you know, we're entrepreneurs, it fluctuates a lot from month to month. So when we have bigger months, like we will put bigger chunks away. Um, right now, we're trying to get Linda's Roth IRA funded for um, the year. And so we're trying to, when we have money, put it in there. But um, there's no specific amount for us. And again, it's one of those things that it just really depends on where you are in your phase of life. Now, I really do like the 80-10-10 thing, you know, so where you're living off of 80, giving 10, and then saving or investing 10. Mm -hmm. Like I, as a general ballpark I, or general rule, I think that's really good. All right, Sean says we need accountability and easy, easy. I'm intrigued for sure. Awesome. I should have put a link to the course in the description so you can check that out if anyone's interested. We'd love to have you. Um, I can track spending with the best of them and then watch it disappear. Yeah. It's really funny you said it, Lauren, because I think that is what so many people think they're doing well. Mm -hmm. it's like, all right. Well, I'm watching my money. I see where I spent mm -hmm. it, but what's the point? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like you're not actually controlling it and telling it where to go and actually moving forward towards your financial goals. Like mm -hmm. what good does that yeah. really right. do you, you know? And I think it's an important thing just to talk about because I know for myself, I just... Like I started using that bill pay, something we include in the course is a bill pay spreadsheet. So Bob uses it to manually pay his bills twice a month. And I started using it several years ago. And again, like I, I would think in my mind that I was budgeting off this bill pay spreadsheet. I, 
I wasn't budgeting. I was just tracking that I was paying my bills. Like, and it sounds so elementary and maybe makes me sound, you know, not the smartest, but I think a lot of people are in that boat where like you have a fancy spreadsheet and you're like, yeah, I have a budget. I have all these things categorized and you don't unless you're putting parameters around it, which gives you freedom, gives you the freedom to spend on what you want to spend on. You just, Mm -hmm. just gives you control. Yeah. Cottrell is asking if we use a personal capital cash account. No, I do not use that. Um, do you? May, May says yes, I have the, does app. have the app. Crafts, recipes, and more. Awesome. I don't know, May. I like that name. I started but got distracted. Is it something I should be doing together with my husband? Or if I decide to do it for our family, is that okay too? Absolutely. If you can do it with your husband, that's going to be really yeah. good for you. It is just so much better when husband or wife can be on board. Now, there are situations, I mean, let's be real, it's just not going to happen in every marriage. Mm-hmm. And so when that's the case, it's still better for you to do, like assuming you are the one, for you to do what you can do and make the most of what you can do. Like you can't yeah. control your spouse's spending and you have to walk that line. And this is, you know, gets into a marriage kind of thing. We're where not marriage you, counselors. Yeah, <laughs> where you might need marriage counseling. Like if yeah. you guys can't get on the same page, like that is mm-hmm. something that regardless of what the topic is, you know, but spending mm-hmm. is one of those things. But even still, if you have a spouse who's doing that, it's still worth trying and doing the most that you can. Because if you just give up and do nothing while they don't care, like that's not going to help anything. Like you're just headed in a bad direction. You know, it's not going to get any better. And so you can try and do the most what you can with what you have while just giving them grace to do whatever they're doing and to pray that God will move on their heart. And oh, look, pull she's you guys saying she's unity. actually the spender. Yeah. And I'll jump onto that. So my situation, again, going back to what I said earlier, like my husband, he's not, not on board. Like he's totally fine. He just he doesn't do anything with it. I'm the one who does everything with it. And it works. He, you know, gets involved when he wants to, but in terms of making the transactions, making the transfers, kind of paying attention to things, I'm the one who does it. And it's fine because I'm also the type A who wants the control. I'm the, spe- you know, all those things. So I definitely think it could even be a situation where the other spouse is maybe totally on board with budgeting. They just don't want to physically do the work to, you know, do the transactions and stuff. Yeah. So I definitely think it can work. Yeah. And to that point, like, just so we're clear, like Linda and I both have the app on our phone. We both can mm-hmm. log in and make transfers at any time. Yep. And so that's how we do these things a lot of times. So she'll do some and I'll do some. And if she's busy for a few days and can't, then I will do them for her. And if there's one I don't remember, I'll send her a text and ask her or something or if I don't know what it is. But it's really easy to do this together and with a spouse. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's good when you guys can get together and talk and have a little mm-hmm. budget meeting or whatever. But even mm-hmm. if you can't do that, you can still chip away at it one at a time individually. Yeah. All right. Well, I hope you found that helpful. And if you're not in our Real Money course, we would love to have you. It would be an honor to serve you. And so you can find out more about that at seedtime.com forward slash real money. No spaces, no dashes, just real money. Check it out. Let me know if you have any questions. And I think that's all for today. Be blessed, be blessing, and we'll see you next time.